1: Welcome to Condensed the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is, what are the points of this podcast? The fact that art imitates life and life imitates art. We're going to look at two very strange offshoots of two genuine pieces of pop culture. One that's been so hot for the last two years and another one that's been so hot for 60 years and it's not doctor who so with that in mind we're going to be talking about james bond and squid game but also 007 road to a million and squid game the challenge because these are two red hot game shows that have come out in late autumn early winter of 2023 and they shouldn't sort of exist question mark let's go into the overall moment the very very first time i did this wasn't even as a podcast i did it as a video online i did it as a video review for a company an organization called past preservers hello guys Hi, Nigel. You're great. They were looking for somebody to talk about was their actual history in a particular Assassin's Creed video game. So it was Assassin's Creed Origins. It was the first of the new, really big open world ones, which was set in very late ancient Egypt. And the simple answer was, yes, they spent a lot of time and effort trying to recreate ancient Egypt, but then with a whole load of creative and gaming choices that have to be added, so it's not just a walking simulator by the Nile, but actually a video game, a fun game to play. So that's an example, a clear-cut example, and indeed with all of the Assassin's Creed video games, the writers and creators and designers clearly fall in love with a certain thing, and then they do their best to recreate it, but in the genre of video games. This is absolutely fine it's great. But for a very, 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 very long time, you have people seeing things on screen and then emulating it. This is one of the arguments, going back to the 1980s, about the video nasties, about video movies that were so violent, the worry was that will people emulate this in real life? It didn't happen. I find it interesting that that exact same argument has now been taken away from video nasties, which aren't a thing anymore, to video games now. It's like, oh, you know, these are such violent video games, it's teaching. In the case of one evangelical Christian in America, referring to the Call of Duty games as murder simulators. Well, I guess it's a first-person shooter, but that is not what Activision sells it on and seeing they are wildly popular, and yet... It hasn't led to people wildly emulating those video games. I'm going to say that's yet again a bit of hysteria.
0: And I want people to think about that. Everybody knows lead poisoning is bad for children. Oh, I want everybody to know that exposure to violent video games is also bad for children.
1: But on a more casual side, back in the black and white era, the golden age of Hollywood, you will see... Men wearing trilbies and wearing suits and having wristwatches and smoking and making comments about certain whiskies and cigarettes or cigars. And today we're going to think of that as not okay. But this was a chance for people to say, hey, do you want to look as cool as Cary Grant or Clark Gable or whatever? Then you need to smoke these cigarettes, drink this booze. But also, and I love this one wristwatches were considered, when they first came out, very feminine. They are, in essence, a bracelet that tells the time, and therefore the manufacturers of wristwatches. And Wristwatches really became popular at around about the time of World War I onwards. It was for a practical point that you could put a pocket watch, and that that's how you told time throughout the 19th century. But even in World War One, people still had pocket watches and what is a wristwatch, but a slightly smaller pocket watch that's now strapped to your wrist, which is quite useful in a combat situation. But these Hollywood heartthrobs of the black and white era were paid to wear wristwatches. And guess what happened next? Wristwatch sales went through the roof. Because when you see this tough guy on screen, you're going to emulate that. And the idea of celebrity endorsements, this is nothing new, it's been around for a long time, and so this is what I mean, you get now real life fashion, in this case, being swayed by what they've seen in the movie. And the movie may be contemporary, or indeed the movie might be a very heightened reality version of the olden days, whenever those olden days happened to want to be. If you go to the 1963 movie Cleopatra, and she's wearing kind of the 1960s version of that very heavy eye makeup but that played really well into the 1960s and so that elongated the amount of time that the fashion of very heavy mascara was popular amongst young fashionable women in the 1960s so is it life imitating art or is it art imitating life this stuff i find really really interesting and Throughout history, you can see people creating aspirational things. I know I've mentioned this before and kind of one-off throwaway, but it is one of my favourite items in the British Museum. It's not made of gold and is very, very old indeed. And what it is, is it's a handheld held flint knife. Now you might say, okay, well, there's some of those beautiful Mesolithic or Neolithic or whatever era stone age handcrafted tools can be very beautiful in their own way yes this one is but what's fascinating is this one has been chipped away so it looks like it's got a leather handle to the extent where they've even managed to chip in what looks like leather stitching this is so important for archaeologists because a leather handle to a flint knife will have rotted away thousands of years ago but this one has been inadvertently preserved in stone. But it wasn't the real deal. If you want to use a modern name for something like that, it's a fake, it's a knockoff, it's the cheap copy. But the cheap copy remains and shows you that people have been cheap for literally thousands of years. But again, that was a person who saw something else and wanted to emulate it in their own cheap way. So this idea of us being influenced and with the idea of mass media now, as we only get more and more heavily influenced, I want to start off with Squid Game. Now, I did a whole episode on Squid Game, and this one is fascinating to me, because it was the first time that Korean TV has been on for ages on Netflix, but this was the one that really did cross over into the mainstream. Now, everybody, people who would never normally watch a subtitled TV show, Watch Squid Game. And the thing is, this idea of people playing a game that could likely lead to their death is not a new idea. Game of Death and various things have been around for decades, if not maybe a century. And those sorts of things are inherently interesting. It's like people are willing to put their life on the line. These are desperate people so you get movies as well, I mean not so much the playing a game for death although there's loads of those sorts of movies, perhaps one of my favourite is Hard Target, one of the better Jean-Claude Van Damme movies directed by the action master John Woo, just an amazing film, very 1990s action, it's not a movie that's ever going to worry the Oscars or like what were the greatest movies of, I think it came out in 1994, but it's a thoroughly enjoyable Saturday evening with pizza type action movie. I'm not talking about those, but there is another movie called Wager Fears, which got remade in the 1970s as Sorcerer, which is a strange name, about these inherently desperate men who have to drive a truck full of nitroglycerine over rocky, shaky, jungle roads in south america so again to study in those two and like i say it's the sorcery is a color version an updated version of wages of fear both are incredibly sweaty tense movies but they spend time on getting you to understand how would anybody be that desperate and indeed in squid game they do that as well but what elevated squid game more than anything else like i say this concept's been around for a long time why do you want to watch it in korean you can already watch versions of it in english but it was the set design and art design as soon as you have all the people in these faceless masks with simple symbols on them like a triangle or a square kind of look like playstation buttons and they're wearing these bright pink waterproofs as well it had this instant look to it so much so that it's rated 15 in the uk but even all the kids in the playgrounds were talking about it, and my youngest son, and you know what your son can actually do. He was younger than 15 at the time, but he was desperate to watch because everybody was talking about Squid Game. Everyone was watching Squid Game. It's like, come on, Dad, let me watch it. And I'd already seen it, and I said to my wife, and I indeed got my wife into it as well, it quite wasn't what it, what it was made out to be. The game stuff happens later on. Indeed, what the whole thing is about is the debt trap about how poor people end up taking out loans because they aspire to have a better life or because they've been told they need to get a car or a big TV or whatever. And once you're into that debt, you're paying more for that TV over a period of time than ever before and can you afford it? And so people fall into debt and they, they end up putting that debt onto a credit card now they've got more debt and they never dig themselves out from under this this big pile or even worse, they go to illegal loan sharks and so that is the point of Squid Game. So when my son was pushing me, I went, I don't think you're going to like it. And I said, okay, I'll give you a chance. Because it takes two episodes, really, to get into the Squid Gamey type stuff. But to his credit, he was riveted from the beginning and he really felt for these people. He recognised that it wasn't just the cool graphics or the, the violence. These people were desperate people. And so 10 out of 10 to Hwang Dong Hyuk who is the creator, he is the director and writer of Squid Game. And when you got something that is a game show, where the twist is people are being killed, when people talk about sudden death rounds in game shows, they don't generally mean literally sudden death, but that's what happens in Squid Game. It was obvious that it was going to be turned at some point into some kind of game show, where people were eliminated from the show, but not killed in real life. Indeed, What I found interesting is with Squid Game is it just created a cottage industry almost immediately and Netflix and presumably Huang Dok Hyuk on the one hand like the free advertising but on the other hand it's like all this money is slipping through our fingers. I'll give you two quick examples. There's a video game platform, it in and of itself is not a video game, called Roblox. If you have tweens in your house or perhaps a little bit younger you're very aware of Roblox and Roblox is love hate it is on one hand the wild west out there there are so many people ripping off kids when they buy their roblox dollars and then people because you're eight years old you're easily manipulated you end up giving away the details and then you lose all your money or somebody hacks your account and all your hard work's gone and you can earn real money from people playing the game that you built within the framework of roblox loads of intellectual property rights are stomped on all the time it's horrible there's also been examples of grooming And any time I've had problems with Roblox, there's nobody there to answer the call. There's nobody there to sort of respond to emails. So it is really the Wild West. That's the bad side. On the good side, though, it is an incredibly flexible system to very quickly build games. And here's an example of that. Once Squid Game came out, a Squid Game game within Roblox, using its blocky kind of shapes, was very quickly created. As a version of Squid Game. And indeed, before my son watched the TV show, he was playing this on Roblox. No blood, you know, it's got to be in theory child friendly, but this is one of the things that got people talking about it in the playgrounds. Like, well, hey, I managed to get through. And therefore, it did mean that my son did know the sequence of events in the actual show, but he still got a lot out of the show. Another quick example of Roblox and how fast you can build in it is there was the Will Smith slap at the Oscars, and the next day there was the Will Smith game in Roblox, where an angry Will Smith was chasing you around, threatening to slap you, and you had to get out of his way. Very simple game, but literally within hours of this incident, you, you get satire in TV and movies and well not not so much movies but newspapers and and tv shows very quickly you can get some satire up on youtube etc but a satirical video game normally it takes months to program a video game so well done roblox on that so there you go love hate relationship on that side another bit of youtube there uh, there is one of the most popular broadcasters boy i'd love just one percent of his numbers listening on to this podcast but he's a youtuber called mr beast And again, my youngest son's been a big fan of his for years. I really respect Mr. Beast. He knows what his target market is. He never breaks away from it. There's no interviews where suddenly he's swearing all the time. He knows that his core demographic is 6 to 13 as an age range. And he does loads of stunts. And even though he is, I believe he is either second or third most subscribed person on YouTube. I mean, he is... He has turned this into an absolute business, generating millions of dollars every year, but well done to him. But on one occasion, he did do Squid Game for real. He did it a year before Netflix even announced this. So 10 out of 10 to him to do this. And even though he has a hugely subscribed channel, I believe that particular video is his most popular video ever. I think it got to something like 100 million hits in the first two weeks. And of course, that generates loads of advertising revenue for him. It generates continued interest in Squid Game for Netflix, but Netflix was clearly leaving money on the table. So when they announced that they were going to create a real Squid Game, and even though Mr. Beast's one had put money into it, he's not Netflix. He couldn't put Netflix money into it. And you do have to be careful with intellectual property rights. If there are certain things that are trademarkable, you can't just slap them on to youtube and not expect a an email of cease and desist from various lawyers from that ip so squid game the challenge is in essence what mr beast has already done but bigger and better and slicker and will probably be seen in total by more people than the mr beast video but it's an absolute no-brainer it's an absolute obvious win there but why would you want to take part in something like that. Now, of course, you know you're not going to die, and this is part of the grim reality. And again, that desperation element on the sides of the people in Squid Game. The Squid Game, the challenge is the classic thing that human beings like to compete. The amount of times you've seen people on TV and say, I could do that, and You know what i bet usually you can't this is the classic thing of the middle-aged dad sitting there with a bit of a beer belly eating his chips watching a sports match somebody messes up and it's like oh come on i could do that it's like that is a highly trained athlete you would run out of breath very quickly doing what they're doing and everybody makes mistakes i however turn that around because the biggest insult I can give, let's say an England footballer, is if they absolutely stuff up a free kick and it goes way over the the top of the goal, you know, just into the crowd, never stood any chance of any way going into the goal, that's when I shout at the TV, I could do that. If you want to pay me an obscene amount of money to miss a goal, I'm your man. Definitely hire me to do that. That is an element of how... Squid Game and indeed they are making a season two and I believe season three of Squid Game the real actual TV series but that still isn't out yet so in the meantime how do you keep things interesting and fresh well let's do a game show because the thing about reality TV or game shows is they're extremely popular and particularly during the American writer and actors strike nobody could do anything but you could still do reality tv so it's cheap you don't need to pay script writers you don't need to pay actors you just have a conceit whatever it may be stick some cameras in front of them if you want the absolute cheapest of the cheap something like big brother is incredibly cheap tv and yet you get hours and hours of it you might have i'm going to argue hour a day And then you have, like, the review shows as well. So now you're reviewing the cheap TV. You're filling up tens of hours every month, and yet the cost is going to be less than one episode of a scripted drama of, let's say, The Sopranos or Breaking Bad. You get the idea. Because all of the actors, all the scriptwriters, the directors, etc., etc., So, this is the appeal of this stuff. People like being in game shows. People like watching game shows or reality TV. And companies like making it because it's staggeringly profitable. So, there we go. Now, the thing is with Squid Game, all of this makes complete sense. What's going on with 007 Road to a Million? Big question mark there. Well, allow me to explain. I've got real people.
2: To a James, Bond adventure.
1: James Bond is under the property, under the film rights of MGM Studios. You know, the one with the lion roaring. And MGM has been around for a very long time. I had a look online. And to give you an idea, to think of how important these movies are. This is by no means a complete list, but it gives you a flavour that MGM is a proper film studio. 2001 A Space Odyssey, 12 Angry Men, Gone With The Wind, Silence of the Lambs, and if you want something more up-to-date, The Creed movies, as in the spin-offs of the Rocky movies. So you've got stuff that's still in existence today, it's got an amazing back catalogue, and MGM has also made hundreds if not thousands of tv shows as well so with that in mind mgm has this huge amount of back catalogue and in 2022 it was bought by amazon for 8.5 billion dollars now for 8.5 billion you're going to want to start making money and one of the things you can do is have that back catalogue that people can subscribe to or look at indeed by putting these things potentially free on amazon prime You've now got a back catalogue, arguably bigger than Disney+, instantly added, plus everything else that's on Amazon Prime. But also, you've got, you're now in charge of all these brands. What's interesting is that when you look at the books, because obviously, James Bond started with the Ian Fleming books, that started in the 1950s, late 1950s, very rapidly turned into, of course, the Sean Connery Bond movies. And immediately huge hit global interest in the james bond films and so a legend was born then the weird thing is and i was having this conversation yesterday with people and it's interesting that when you've got american brands think of things like the fast and furious franchise or the rocky franchise you you get the idea It's always hanging on a certain person, a certain personality. Tom Cruise is Mr. Mission Impossible. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, and what do you do when these people get too old? You see what I mean, but weirdly, Britain, way before this franchiseitis that we're going on nowadays, solved this problem with Doctor Who, with regeneration, and then with James Bond, with no explanation whatsoever, Sean Connery was changed with George Lazenby. There's a cute little line in George Lazenby's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This never happened to the other fella. How would he know? Why is he saying that? Which has led to people saying that James Bond is actually a code name and different men over the years have inherited the name James Bond. It's a very interesting way of solving the problem but no, his designation is 007 or as people have pointed out the way we would define any number preceded by two zeros if you see a a cash register and it says zero zero nine pounds not that you see very many cash registers anymore we wouldn't go zero zero nine pounds we just go nine pounds so 007 really we just call him seven (laughs) number seven that's it you're number seven and so The James Bond movies were big and bold but the 60s was kind of silly you know and James Bond was maybe big and bold but they weren't sort of super serious and my goodness when we go into the 1970s it gets even sillier for Bond but you know the 1960s all kinds of crazy stuff going on on TV and therefore in the 1960s and 70s and 80s it just didn't occur to people that TV and movies could be interchangeable and certainly let's go on into the 1980s, shall we? If you were a premier actor, you Al Pacino's, Robert De Niro's, Glenn Close's, Meryl Streep's, etc., you get the idea. These people were winning Oscars and were lauded for their acting skills, and therefore the place with the money, the place with the most interesting scripts, was movie land. What's interesting is, thanks to the rise of the likes of HBO and Netflix, etc., Nowadays, the meteor rolls are on TV, or you get this horrible blurring where you get, and I've obviously already done episodes on this, but you get high-quality, serious movies like Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon, and yet those are principally paid for by streaming services. So it all gets really blurred and confused. But Amazon may have more money than King Midas, but they still want to earn their money back again. So they can get the back catalogue working for them by saying, hey, you know, when was the last time you watched something like Silence of the Lambs? So in which case, you either might have to rent it on Amazon Prime, in which case all that money now goes to Amazon rather than a cut of it. Or maybe they put it on for free for 30 days, but that forces you to have Amazon Prime. Another reason to sign up, just as a theoretical, but of course, then you can spin off. Now, it might have made sense, but like I say, it just didn't occur to people to do crossovers between movies and TV shows in the very silly Roger Moore era of the 1970s on into the 80s of Bond. But no, that didn't happen then. I could absolutely see Roger Moore, and I'm sure he would have been fine with fronting a game show around James Bond.
0: You're not a sportsman, Mr. Bond. Why did you break off the encounter with my pet python? I discovered he had a crush on
1: He so would have leaned into that. He was an incredibly self-deprecating man. Everybody said he was lovely. He knew his limitations. He played to them. A lot of love for Roger Moore there. But no, it took about 60 years of James Bond being out there as a movie brand for it to then be turned into a game show. But here's the thing. Whereas a lot of people on planet Earth have watched James Bond movies and thought, golly gosh, I wish I was James Bond, it's very hard to turn it into an actual game show. And the opening of it shows that already it's a very different type of game show. Do you remember when I said earlier that things are cheap when it comes to reality TV? Well, this isn't cheap. If you like, Amazon have made a mistake. Because you shouldn't be pouring a lot of money into this. But at the same time, do you really want a really cheap version of James Bond? The brand is classy. Please, I encourage you to at least watch the opening six or seven minutes where they talk you through the conceit and you get to see some of the beautiful cinematography in this show. And so it is again called 007 Road to a Million. And it's explained by Brian Cox. No, not to the physicist, or the actor, who has been in lots of these sorts of movies. I can't swear to the fact that he's ever been in a James Bond movie, but he's been in the Jason Bourne films, and he's no stranger to these sort of action-thrillery-type movies. And he's a great actor as well, and you can just tell he's having the time of his life being the controller, almost a Bond villain. And what you have are these nine pairs, and they've done a really good job to try and do a big cross section. You know, there's a father and son. There's a Muslim husband and wife. So in other words, you're getting all walks of life here. It isn't just a bunch of super fit young men who could be James Bond in 007 Road to a Million. And the idea, and why it's called Road to a Million, is if you successfully complete the tasks and people are eliminated as you go along, but theoretically, although I'm pretty sure they know that's not going to happen, Theoretically, each one of these couples or pairings could win a million pounds. That's amazing. That's great. What a hook. Unlike something like Squid Game The Challenge, which again is about money, but when you think of your average game show like Jeopardy in America or something like Family Fortunes, I believe it's called Family Feuds in America, these sorts of cash prizes are in the thousands and it will take you days and days for you to accrue a serious amount of money. There is, of course, who wants to be a millionaire. But again, that will take quite a while. And it's, it's a game show of two people sitting in a chair, doing multiple choice questions to each other. It's very, very cheap. But here, they spent money on helicopters, on proper film crews, on lots of international tickets as they travel and do the globe trotting. But this is the interesting point, which I'd like to pause on for a moment. I've heard people say, and I've done a whole episode on James Bond, if you're thinking you're really skipping through who James Bond is, Jim, go back probably a couple of years ago to when a No Time to Die came out. I, of course, did an episode around that and talked about espionage and spying and things like that. As I point out then, and lots of people have pointed this out, James Bond, if he really was a spy, would be absolutely terrible because particularly in the Roger Moore era... You'd have him walk into a bar in Cairo and think, ah, Mr. Bond, uh, Martini, Shaker, Not stirred It's sort of like you shouldn't be that memorable. You shouldn't be able to walk into any bar in any country and people remember your face, which is the exact opposite of what you want to be doing as a spy, and know your drinks order as well. And also, know your name, which is another reason why people say that it could be a code name. Although there have been instances in james bond movies where they specifically said you are going to be this person this time and this is your name so anyway it's it's a whole thing but the thing here is that when you think about james bond and, and like i say this has been a criticism is that spies gather intelligence and then you will send in guys with guns to actually carry out the wet works is the technical name for it like the shooting and the killing this is beautifully shown or brutally shown in Zero Dark Thirty where you get Jessica Chastain in the true story of the hunt for Osama Bin Laden and she is in the CIA trying to find this guy after 9-11 is what triggers it and for most of the movie she is trying to find Bin Laden through various covert operations and espionage protocols But the last quarter of the movie, 20% of the movie, is when they do the raid on Bin Laden's compound. And they send in SEAL Team 6. She is waiting at base to find out what's gone on. She's not trained. The amount of time it would take to train somebody to be a good spy, and then train them all over again to be a really good soldier, is pointless you might as well just train somebody to be a spy, and then when you're ready to do soldier-type operations, you then send in martial forces. That would make complete sense. Whereas Bond isn't a great spy, but he is very good at the wet works, the killing. And so there are a number of people saying that really, and this is why he's got 007, license to kill, that he's actually more of an assassin than he is a spy. And let's face it, Ian Fleming, who worked, in the spy networks of World War II, he would know the difference. But he makes it really exciting. And so have all the movie makers and updating it slowly over the years. Because here's the thing. While I think most men have had that guilty moment pleasure of like, I would love to be James Bond for a day. No, you wouldn't. I remember, I've mentioned this before, I worked for the tourist board, Visit Britain. And on one occasion, we were using James Bond to promote Visit Britain. And we had a professional cocktail waiter there. This is at one of these trade shows. So you go into a massive hall and there's a different stand for different companies usually. But on this occasion, it was different countries. And we had a guy there constantly making vodka martinis, shaken, not stirred, a little bit of lemon oil. And people would come up and go, oh, I'll bond. And I love Britain and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then offered a martini. And people go, oh, I love a martini. And a lot of people don't realize what it is. It's almost pure vodka. A vodka martini is almost pure vodka with crushed ice and a little bit of lemon oil. So it is largely pure vodka. And people are coming into this work do, this trade show, and at 9 a.m. being offered a vodka martini. The amount of people who went, oh, God, (laughs) wow, that's strong stronger language might have been used that was a slight flaw with that campaign but here's the thing so you don't really want to be a hard drinking assassin and what i find interesting about 007 road to a million is they've been very clever about it they've gone to specific locations which are in the movies one of the opening shots yeah and this is what i'm saying just watch the first 10 minutes of the first show and you get it They're using the music from the Bond movies. And there's that bridge in No Time to Die in that Italian medieval town. And that's one of the first shots they do. And it's like, that could be a shot from the movie. I know it isn't. They put the same level of effort in terms of the placing shot. But your average two people off the street aren't James Bond. So really what it is, is it's a series of treasure hunting clues it's like can you get to this place can you find the thing and that's not what James Bond's are like but could you imagine the lawsuits of right you now have to try and seduce this woman well a there's all kinds of ethical issues around that and suddenly Bond isn't doing that nearly as much as he was in the 70s do you know what? I would watch that. It's sort of like the Muslim husband and wife team now have to seduce Samantha over there. And it's sort of like... <laughs> oh, the arguments between the couple. It's, hey, you tried. Well, What happens if she's a lesbian? You try it, darling. Well, we are married to each other and I'm not comfortable with infidelity. That would be all absolutely valid. And indeed, the gay couple as well would kind of be stumped at trying to seduce the woman bit of it so yeah no wonder that they don't have that in there but you know what i wouldn't have minded a scene where people had to do some shooting some target practice or something like that clearly not diving through a window with a with a machine gun and mowing down a bunch of baddies although i again i wouldn't mind doing that or paintball or something like that two of the key things that you associate with james bond the shooting And the romance, Jem said, trying to keep his clean rating, the fighting and the romance again, Jem says, none of that's in it. So whereas with Squid Game the challenge, it very much is Squid Game without the actual finality of getting it wrong. But 007 Road to a Million, in a weird way, is like 80 Days Around the World. It's more of a travelogue show and no matter how much they point to the, and and they literally show you at the beginning them stacking up the money and it's a very Bond moment going into a safe, stacking up the money putting it into a briefcase, yeah that's kind of James Bond, but how would James Bond get that? By shooting everybody and not by solving clues as they go to Venice or whatever, now the photography's great, the people seem to be enjoying themselves, there are obviously arguments and moments of stress but they do what they were signing up for, but I'm going to say that in a way it misses something, and yet this is a eye-wateringly expensive game show, which, as I said earlier on, is the opposite point of a game show. They're meant to be cheap and cheerful, and it's a great way to just fill time on TV slots. So, I'm going to be finishing off there. I hope you enjoyed this one. I definitely, like I say... Just watch the first episode of 007 Road to a Million. If it doesn't do it for you, or if you see the problems I've pointed out, then duly noted, I can think of worse ways to spend your time. Then obviously, I feel obliged. 007 Road to a Million is available on Amazon Prime, and Squid Game The Challenge is available on Netflix. So, as always, please click subscribe. Please, if you can give us a review, that'd be great. Tell another human being about us. I'm at Jim DeDucci on Twitter and threads, and I always tweet out what the latest episode's going to be. If you could please spread the word, spread the love. Mm-hmm. We'd really appreciate that. Come online, tell me if you've had a chance to see these things. What do you think of them? But again, Game shows are an element of how we like to emulate. We've seen it on TV and like to give it a go. We think of that all the time on something like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where we think, oh, you know, why aren't they getting the question? Now, actually, full disclosure, I'm going to finish off on on a point which I wasn't planning on doing. But right now, I'm in the middle of filming a pilot of a game show. It's something, I've known the person who set up an app, a game show, a movie app called Movie Sweep. You will be able to get this on the App Store. And the thing is, while it is about movie trivia, it's not questions. In essence, it's an actor, then it's a blank, then it's another actor. And the blank is the movie that the two of them would have been together on. Or it's a movie, and then an actor... And then another movie where it's like, okay, I need to think of the, so basically it's a sweep, it's going across, you're trying to fill in the blanks with either a movie, or an actor, or sometimes a director as well. And what was interesting is, they had this dry run, we're all sitting there in our normal clothes, just in an office really, being filmed with SLR cameras because they could get the idea of the rhythm and speed. And so in other words, it's the creators just working out what's going to look good when it gets properly edited. Who do we need to focus on? Do we focus on the person, on the game show host, or do we focus in on the person's reaction to the question or something like that? So that's what they were getting ready at time of recording. And indeed, by the time this episode goes out, I won't have actually recorded the pilot, you know, when we're literally in a studio. Oh, it's actually... Oh, here's another link. It's in Pinewood Studios. Pinewood does TV shows now, and that is where most of the Bond studio work is done. So there's a tiny little bit of DNA between me, game shows, and James Bond. I'm seeing how it works in this world. Clearly, I like my movies. On the dry run when we were just trying it out, came second. There was this... I'm going to call him a kid, much younger than me, and probably old enough to be his dad, but he's doing film studies at university so a all he does is sit there and watch movies and he's got time to sit there and watch movies and yeah he was on fire so we'll see what happens on the actual pilot and the idea is this will be sold it's like look we got the layout set up we know how to edit this to make it interesting and engaging will it be picked up that's the thing about pilots maybe they are maybe they won't if you end up seeing something called movie sweep on the tv well you know one of the people who who helped to get it started in his own very, very tiny way as a contestant. But Movie Sweep, I'm just going to do a quick plug for my mate Ted. Hi, Ted. Movie Sweep is available in the App Store. I, I think it costs a little bit of money, but like a pound or two. And if you like your movies, and if you indeed you like this podcast, you'll probably like this game. That's it from me. As always, another episode coming soon.